A few months ago, I posted a TikTok video sharing six of the most surprisingly common issues that women bring to me as a friendship coach. One of those was this. As a woman of color, I don't feel seen in my interracial friendships. And as you can imagine, I received a lot of messages on that one. There were women of color who were sending amens, feeling validated, finally, in their ongoing struggle to have their white friends demonstrate any real sense of understanding. And then white women were messaging me to say that they'd never even considered the possibility that a friend would feel a sense of distance with them, despite what they perceived as a close-knit relationship. We unpacked all of this in detail about two years ago on the podcast when we were talking about interracial friendships. But today, we're going to touch on the subject from a bit of a different angle with my guest, Taylor. Taylor Ray Almonte Roman is a Brooklyn-based Afro-Latina actor. You may have caught her on an episode of Succession or other shows and documentaries that you enjoy. She is also an athlete and an activist. And that is what our conversation centers on today. She's been featured in the Boston Globe, Goop, Self Magazine, Reebok, and she's going to tell us today a little bit about her company, Activism. That's A-C-T-I-V-ism, which is a wellness company that provides programs and resources to aid in the fight for social justice. But when she first got involved in this work, it directly impacted her friendships. And today, she's going to share a little bit of her story. So if you've ever felt your friendship shift under the weight of race-related tensions, then this episode is for you. This is Friend Forward, the podcast. And if you're having girl problems, I got you. I'm your host, Danielle Byer-Jackson, a friendship coach, speaker, and author. And when it comes to the joys, complexities, and misconceptions surrounding female friendship, I am here to help you through it. So, okay, so we have you here to talk about, you know, you're heavily involved in, you know, activism. You have this newsletter that goes out about it. You have this platform that's growing that focuses on it. So before we kind of talk about how getting into the world of activism has impacted your friendships, first talk to me about your platform and and what it is you do. Yeah, I would love to. So um, me and my great friend, Kira West, who was also in my wedding party. We started a company called Activism. So it's Active-ism. We call it an anti-racism wellness company. And essentially my work, I always say meets at the intersection of racial justice and wellness. And I'm a full-time boxing trainer. So I teach on a fitness mirror called Fitcher. And that's my full-time job, teaching boxing, um, doing in-person events, like meeting people, helping them feel empowered through boxing. I love boxing. um, And I'm so passionate about it for my mental health. It has just changed my life. And so when we were all in lockdown and George Floyd was murdered, that was like something that permeated social media, our relationships, my text messages, my phone calls. I was in my home, but I just felt for for the first time so connected to so many people about this issue. I felt like I always brought 50, 60, 70% of myself to my work and to my job and to my everyday life. But I've, for the for the largest part of my life, operated in predominantly white spaces. Mm-hmm. And so I've never been able to bring my entire self to my you know places of work or school. 
And so I was finally able to fully bring myself to these virtual, when everything was honestly virtual, these virtual phone calls and meetings and classes and experiences and talk about how I was really feeling. So Kira and I started our company. We started doing everything from week-long to month-long um, programs. Our first program had 100 people participate. For, um, so from there, I took it into my work. I was head of diversity and inclusion at the company I worked at before and recently just started at Columbia getting my master's in human rights studies. But yeah, that's all of it in a nutshell. <laughs> Okay. And so, you know, as a black woman, I have some idea. I have my, you know, experiences, but I want to backtrack a little bit. You said that you felt like you couldn't bring your full self. And then we had this like sudden quote unquote awakening over the summer where some people are now more receptive to finally hearing about what's going on. I'm going to say specifically white people because people like black people, we we've known, but having people wake up and finally be maybe a little more softened to hearing what's going on or finally listening for the first time. So to give me a little before and after, can you tell me a little bit about what things were happening that made you feel like, oh, I can't bring my full self to this space. It's not safe here. Yeah. I always felt, so my mom is Puerto Rican, my dad is Dominican, and I identify as Afro-Latina. And I feel like living in that intersection between Blackness and Latin culture, I always felt kind of already confused about myself because like I said, I was operating in predominantly white spaces and people around me, my friends would always say, well, you know, you're Black. And I was like, am I Black? I'm Puerto Rican. I was confused for a lot of my life of what Blackness meant. And so that is one way, one main reason in which I always felt like I fully bring myself into spaces because if I was confused and I wasn't matching the expectations of those around me, they would view my Blackness as being a certain way and feel that I should fit into a certain box, but I didn't even know what that box looked like or even what their expectations were. Then as I got older, especially I went to school, I went to undergrad for theater, constantly being cast in roles mm. that I was the girl with the attitude, the girl with this, the girl with the edge, the black girl that's friends with the white girl, the sidekick. I was also trying to grapple with my identity and the ways in which I operated in these spaces when I would get cast in things as, you know, these caricatures of what Blackness is. So I feel like that's when, which I never felt like I was fully safe in these spaces. I just felt like I didn't match up to the expectations of those around me. And then as I continued, you know, to evolve in my career, go into fitness, especially being in fitness, that was the first time I started getting braids. And braids have saved, honestly, so much of my self identity and confidence. Like I didn't have hair like my sister. I didn't have hair like my mom. I have super, super curly hair that doesn't grow very long. And being able to wear braids was so impactful to me. But my acting agents were like, oh no, I need you to stay racially ambiguous. So it was like never quite what others wanted me to claim. Um, and that's why I think being in lockdown was really an opportunity where I wasn't really seeing anyone else. I was just like in my house. And I was like, how do I want to, to reckon with my own identity? And how do I want to show up in the world? 
And so I think that was the biggest before and after. A lot of it was kind of within myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so the reason I ask you about, you know, your experiences feeling like, okay, I can't bring my full self here. I'm not safe to do that here is because when we're in the workplace or maybe we're just like passively socially in public, unfortunately, black people and people of color, we have to operate with a certain duality, like, okay, how I have to present myself here, or I'm going to, you know, have certain social consequences or microaggressions and, and just all the things we endure, but feeling safe among friends. Like this is where I can unfold, be myself, speak freely. I don't have to worry. Unfortunately, sometimes I know maybe in interracial friendships, we feel like we still can't do that. This is supposed to be my friend. I'm supposed to be safe here, but I don't feel like I can bring all of myself here or that she misunderstands or she doesn't get it. And, and I don't know how I feel about that. Um, can you tell me about like any experiences you've had in your friendships that you felt limited or restricted or misunderstood, especially once you started leaning into this particular role? Absolutely. I think that's a huge part of my experience. Um, these interactions with my friends, especially my friends that are white. And so first and foremost, when I came into this work, I was pretty, um, overwhelmed and a little bit unable to articulate what I wanted to say and to like fully have control over the conversations I wanted to have. I like to call it a righteous anger that kind of just like erupted in me. And I was like ready to talk about it because I never had the opportunity to talk about it. And I was ready to like, just give it to you if you brought up these conversations. And so I... Um, felt like for the first time people were listening and I wanted them to hear what I had to say. And so in some of my friendships, I think I'm super thankful because all of my closest friends, I've maintained those friendships and we have been able to have really good uh, experiences that have helped both of us grow. But some of my friendships that were like a little on the fringes, not my like absolute best friends, just people I like had fun with, got drinks with, like, you know, casual friends, took a spin class with, like still people that were part of my social circle, absolutely, but not like people that fully knew me inside and out. I think those were the toughest relationships because I had been saying and feeling a lot of these things privately for my whole life because I mean I've had these experiences my entire life but maybe not publicly so those that didn't know me as well were a little surprised those conversations i would say were challenging but also i wasn't unaware of the fact that we weren't super close so i don't think it was extremely hurtful or harmful to me i think if anything it really gave me more ownership and confidence that I could make the right choices for who I wanted to keep in my life when I brought a hundred percent of myself. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. So any examples of how something came up in a friendship after you lean into the space and it helped you to determine maybe this isn't a, a friendship I want to continue? 
For sure. So I had one friend who I knew through the fitness world. We would take classes together. I would take her class. She was an instructor. And something that she always loved in her classes was a lot of hip hop music by a lot of Black artists. I had heard her say the N-word in her classes when she was teaching them, when she was singing along. And so this was an experience that I had had with her. I had never confronted her about it, but it was something that I noted that I had said to my husband at home, something that didn't sit well with me as we were going through this, you know, as I was going through this shift, especially on my social media, it really became an outlet and a platform for me to share, um, as you said, my newsletter and just like all of these different things that were a part of my life. She reached out and was like, uh, is there anything I can do? Like, how are you doing? And I was like, well, something you can do is like not say the N-word in your classes and like take this music out of your class. And she was like, whoa, I feel attacked. Um, I was checking in on you and like I didn't expect it to go this way. And I was like, I've seen you profit off of, appropriate, enjoy Black culture. And in this moment, like I've not seen you, I've seen you posting your like, latte in the morning on social media. I've seen you continue posting that you're still taking classes with lyrics in it that might not be the best for you to be singing. I see you posting and sharing other things, but are you, do you care about what's happening right now? Do you care about, you're checking in to see if I'm okay, but are you engaging with any of the things I'm sharing? And she didn't want to have that conversation. She didn't want to, she felt that she was being nice checking in on me and I was like mm-hmm. flipping the script and now accusing her of something. You know, I always go back to this. I, I Sometimes there's like a hyper focus on the racial part. And it is because it's specific to, you know, how we navigate this world in a brown body. So that's always going to be a part of the conversation because that's our, our daily living. But, you know, for those who still don't get it, sometimes it's just like, okay, if a friend brought you anything else, any other subject... It was like, it's harmful to me in this way, or this is my experience at work, or this is what's happened to me. You wouldn't gaslight them into like, I mean, but were they like really discriminating? Or do you think like maybe you're being sensitive? Or if I wanted to talk about something that feels really tragic to me, you know, for me, I'm a, you know, a black woman, I have kids, so I can't help but to, you know, see certain things in the news. And it's, it's on my mind all day. I know most recently, you know, the shooting in a Buffalo grocery store. I mean, I'm thinking, do I take my kids places? I'm looking for exits when I go to grocery stores now, like, like that's in my brain now. But if I take that to a friend, I don't have the emotional or mental capacity to have you test and challenge that. I mean, but do you think you're just being, what are you saying to me? And so it's just like, if there's any other issue we would normally bring to the table to have it questioned, minimized, dismissed, and any of those things, we would all unanimously be like, oh, that's not okay. But when it comes to things that make us uncomfortable regarding race, we don't really want to talk about it. It's just that your friends of color cannot extract their race when they come to the table, because it's an inextricable part of who they are. So that cannot be suspended or diluted to make you content. That means we don't get to bring our full selves to the table. And so it's interesting to hear you share about this specific experience and and having a person who asks you if they could do anything, be like, hold on, you're attacking me and not being in a space of like, okay, you know, I hear you. Let me sit with that. You know, let me be uncomfortable for a second. Maybe you're right, because that's the work a friend would do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally. 
What advice would you give to somebody who is leaning into that space unapologetically? And they're like, listen, these things are not okay. And I'm not dealing with it in any form anymore. And they know that that's going to put them at a crossroads in some of their friendships. What are some insights there for the person who's kind of struggling in that way or, or trying to reconcile those, those things? Absolutely. I think first and foremost, if you are, so many of us are already activists within our lives and our communities, and we think that we need to wait for someone to like honor us with this title. Like once I do enough work or I raise enough money or I get to a certain space, then I can call myself an activist. But so many of us are already doing the work in our families, in our communities, in our homes, in our schools to create that social change that we want to see. So I think first and foremost, if you feel called to that work, it doesn't have to be on a huge major platform. It can just be within your own friend group. Um, I always talk about accountability in my programs, whether it's a partner, whether it's a friend. It is great if it's someone that you don't live with that you can just text and be like, hey, are we going to read this book together? Let's read these amount of pages a day and like, let's do this together. Bringing your friends in, if especially if it's a friend that doesn't know anything about how you're feeling or what you're going through. If you're like, I'm going to watch this movie Maybe you watch it too, or maybe we watch it together and then we can talk about it. I think that's a great way to kind of build those bridges. My um, kind of way that I go about this work is there are plenty of people, righteously so, rightfully so, that are just pissed, angry, do not want to give you a free pass, and they have every right to, to do their work that way. The way I go about it is I really try to come from a place of compassion to those that truly are like, wait, racism still exists. I've had people say that to me. And I can't laugh if I have positioned myself as an educator because then the likeliness of them ever trying to grapple with this topic again is so low because I am the educator. If I was just like minding my business walking down the street, I probably would be like, have a different reaction. But when I position myself as an educator, I'm like, I have created this space to handle people with a certain amount of empathy. And I will still be honest, but I am also going to build a bridge. And I think that's a great way to go about it. If these are friends that you value, you can build a bridge instead of um, building a wall. I also think with that being said, as a marginalized person, if you feel that someone is not validating your humanity or making your life feel valued, that's different. If it's if it's impacting your mental health that you feel like this person does not care about things that are deeply important to you, I think that's different. I think maybe that person needs to not have access to you because they don't deserve they don't deserve your compassion if they're not if they're not really going to respect you. But if someone is really trying, I feel like have some accountability, do a project together, do a program together, do a class together, read a book together. Do something that you can engage with and have a conversation, find a resource like a podcast or an online class, something that can help you with these conversations. Um, Obviously, come to my programs at Activism because that's what we do there. So I think that's a great start. Be open the dialogue, not just talking about, hey, this is what happens to me, but like using a tool like a book or a movie or a podcast to to kind of like build that foundation. Mm, okay. So much I appreciate about what you just said. That like so good that I'm sitting with. The first is I so applaud you for how you addressed 
both, you know, people in the room in terms of those of us who are like, no, I don't have any time in my life right now. I'm not trying to correct you, explain. I don't want that for myself. I want ease in my friendships. I don't want to have to teach. Like I go there to be like a, a refuge, a safe space, restoration. I'm not doing work there in that way. And I love that you acknowledge for some people, that's where you are. And you're totally entitled to say, that's how I'm going to filter my friendships. I, I want a life of ease with my friends. I also love what you're saying about, but if I'm going to choose to be an educator, then I'm signing up for people to come to me with questions. And so to try to find a way to remain open and compassionate and helping them understand problematic thinking, to unlearn certain things, to understand white supremacy, all those things from a a safe space to get answers. And I just, I so appreciate you calling out both sides. And I also appreciate you giving us kind of like hitting us with the list of tangible ways to be activists in our friendships. I love that idea of of that as a space to do the work where there's already relationship. And so they Mm -hmm. are open to receiving, you know, what you have to say. Um, It's just so good. So good. So, you know, you mentioned in, in your newsletter, which I have read and I'm like, okay, this is, this is quality. This is the real deal. This is helpful information. Talk to us a little bit about the newsletter and, and how women can sign up and follow along with all that you've got going on. Absolutely. Um, I will also say the newsletter is such a useful tool for me as a friend. Cause when one of my friends is like, wait, what are you talking about? I'm like, read my newsletter <laughs> so that I don't, it honestly saves me from doing double of the work because I've, I, yeah, I have just an easier way sometimes with my friends to be like, I've made them all sign up for my newsletter. I send them whenever I'm on a podcast. I'm like, hey, friend, listen to this. And I think that really helps me. Um, But you can find my newsletter and everything, all of my resources on my website, taylorrealmonte.com. And I send it weekly on Friday mornings. And it's really cool because now that I'm in school, I'm kind of uh, connecting my newsletter with things I'm learning. So last week I created a podcast mm. for one of my classes. So I shared that and I'll just be continuing to share things I'm doing in school as well. As your new official friendship coach, here's your homework. Listen closely. I want you to think of ways that you can journey alongside your friend to grow in an awareness and understanding when it comes to the fight for social justice. To women of color who are listening, I cannot stress enough the freedom that you have to opt out because it requires a certain mental and emotional labor to educate, correct, and inform. And when we need our friendships to be a space of refuge, to be a place of ease, we might not have the bandwidth to sign up for that kind of engagement. So if you and your friend are open to doing this together, then activism might be a good way to start, specifically with their weekly newsletter, as a way to read certain terms, to learn something new in a bite-sized format, and then design a way to unpack it together that works for you. Maybe it's texting every Friday morning to share your biggest takeaway or hopping on FaceTime and talking it through for 10 minutes. Whatever works for you to weave that layer of accountability inside of your friendship then go for that. Entertain it. Bring it up to a friend. Suggest it and see if she's open to it. It's a way to deepen your understanding of larger issues while growing together in the experience as friends. So while you mull that over and you work to grow in your awareness and your relationship, you know that I'll be right here rooting for you always on your ongoing journey toward better female friendships. Until next time.